Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Property. I'm Peter Switzer. Chris Joy was pencilled to be on the program tonight, but his son was upset because of the social media stuff that was being said about his dad, which is quite understandable. So for the sake of his son, he's cooling his heels on the sideline, but I know Chris eventually will be back. So I decided to look at some of the reasons why property doomsday merchants who often have a go at Chris won't get what they want, namely real estate price destruction. A more reasonable upcoming guest on the show tonight from CoreLogic, Eliza Owen, thinks 2021 will be challenging for property prices and unemployment could be the big cause of seeing prices being depressed next year. Now I think the jobless rate, which only went from 7.4 to 7.5 percent in July, which we only saw today, would be critical for property prices. And the CBA profit report makes me think that maybe the economy is doing a little bit better than we were expecting. Uh, one interesting point that the CBA brought out was something like 20% uh, of people who asked for loan deferments are now back paying their loans again. Also, we've seen some pretty good retail figures as well. This economy of ours just might do a lot better than even Eliza was thinking unemployment might not go as high as people think and therefore house prices might not be as badly affected as we think. Also, the arrival of a vaccine could really change the whole economic equation. If a vaccine comes in faster than expected, well then economies will, will roar back a lot faster, we'll see overseas travel and we'll see employment really being recreated which could depress expectations around rising unemployment. So in the absence of Chris, I thought I'd put together a few slides and a few observations that build the case that a total destruction of house prices is off the cards. When I first started battling the people out there who really want house prices to fall, I started looking around for charts that actually either made my case or disputed my case, because that's the way I like to approach economics. I don't always think I'm right. I don't have a philosophy that things have to work all the time. I just use the history to uh, guide what I'm going to think about what's going on now and what might happen in the future. And this chart here of Sydney house prices shows a lot that you, you, you get a rising period, then you go sideways, the falls are actually quite small, and then they take off again, another small fall. That tends to be the pattern. And even when you go back as far as 1990-91 when we had the last real recession, the fall in house prices were, was really, really controlled. So I think in many ways this gives me the confidence that uh, we should expect house prices to fall, sure. But should they be a really destructive uh, fall in house prices? Well, given the fact that unemployment went to 11% during the 1990-91 recession and we're more likely to see unemployment top out at 10%, or even, even a bit less, I think there's a very good chance that we will see um, a, a controlled drop in house prices over 2021 before a significant recovery once the worst of this coronavirus fear factor and the infection rates start dissipating. This chart here looks at right around the country, and as you can see, all the capital cities have a similar pattern. It's a rising trend. It goes sideways and it goes off the boil, then it starts rising again. Certainly Sydney and Melbourne have, and Brisbane, but Sydney and Melbourne in particular, uh, have more aggressive rises, but the other ones have more controlled rises, which I think is a good thing, 
and I don't see any pattern there that would tell you that a house price destruction and a big collapse in house prices is historically a sensible expectation. So what's my case for things looking better than a lot of doomsday merchants are expecting for the economy? Well, the employment numbers that came out on Thursday, that's today, um, showed there was 114,700 jobs created, a record 228,400 jobs in June, previously reported at 210,000. So it kind of shows you that despite all the worries around the coronavirus, Jobs are coming back, and that's a very good sign, particularly when, as I made the point earlier, that Eliza Owen thinks that unemployment could be the main reason why house prices fall in 2021. Then the unemployment rate has only gone from 7.4 to 7.5%. I expect to see an 8, maybe a 9% uh, top out in unemployment, but so far, so good. Hours worked uh, rose by 1.3%. They're down 5% you know, over the year, but... We are talking about a pretty serious uh, close down of the economy. But also what's really interesting is the participation rate going from 64.1% to 64.7%. That's a really big jump in the, particip the participation rate. And it is a positive sign for an economy going forward. Another piece of interesting data out there is the retail trade numbers. Now you would kind of think that if the Australian consumer was really panicky, they'd be saving their money and not spending it. But look, retail trade rose by 2.7% in June. The consensus was 2.4%, but after rising by 16.9% in May, and retail trade is up 8.5% over the year. That's a really big number, kind of indicating that once again, the the embattled and scared consumer isn't really showing itself to be a, a, a true portrayal of what the average Australian is thinking at the moment. We might be hiding at home, working from home, but we're certainly going online to buy stuff. And until uh, Victoria closed down Bunnings and Harvey Norman and whatever, right across the country, people are going to department stores and uh, op operations like Bunnings to buy stuff for home improvements and whatever. So, and a very interesting sign. Also, we've seen company reports from retailers like Adairs and Nick Scarly, very positive reports indicating that the consumer, the Australian consumer, is out there doing plenty of buying. And finally, you've got this report from the Commonwealth Bank that credit and debit card spending in the week of August 7 was up a big 8.4% on a year ago compared to a 3.2% lift for the week ending July 31. So in a sense, the momentum is building. What's also interesting is that online spending rose 20.8%. The previous week was up 5.8% and in-store spending was up 2.9% over the period. Look at Western Australia. This is a, country, uh, a state that actually has blocked people from getting in there. Uh, and I, I actually do a small business report for 6PR on Mondays and I'm actually learning that a, a lot of West Australians think you know, life is back to normal, particularly socially speaking, and their spending was up 20.2% from a year ago and that's the strongest of all states and territories. Imagine if we get a vaccine. Imagine if we can even start travelling between states again and maybe not travelling overseas. That kind of interstate trade and the confidence that comes when a vaccine makes it easier to um, get out there and enjoy yourself. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, big rebounds in spending, which will be good for the economy, good for jobs and therefore ultimately good for containing house price falls. 
So what could hurt property prices? Less immigration, and that is actually going to happen because the, the movement of people from overseas to Australia is going to be less. So demand for housing goes down. A huge spike in unemployment. I think a huge spike is unlikely, so therefore I'm betting against that. Rising interest rates, we ain't going to see them for a long time. A long than expected wait for a vaccine. With all the news we're getting right now, I will be very surprised if vaccine doesn't show up um, way before the US election. Uh, and that will leave us in a pretty good position for 2021, the year where Eliza Allen thinks that we might have some problems with property prices and something from left field. Well, something from left field could come. And that's the one thing I, I can't really calculate on. It could be a, a, a debt problem. But as, as we've seen, the central banks of the world aren't worried about debt, like uh, my old mate Steve Keen is and other people uh, of his ilk. I think there's a very good uh, argument, a very good case to think that property prices can come off the boil but we won't see a serious drop in house prices. And as I always say to Steve Keen, when he tells me that he thinks property prices are going to fall by a big amount, I always say to him, I hope you're wrong, Steve. And as he always says, I hope I'm wrong too. Well, of course, we're all interested in how uh, the coronavirus is affecting the property market, in particular, What's happened to the Victorian one because of the stage four restrictions the state now finds itself in? And to tell us about the latest news coming out of the state, as well as other places around the country, we have Eliza Owen, who's Head of Australian Research for CoreLogic. Thanks for coming to the program, Eliza. Thanks for having me. Now, I, I really did want to talk to you when I saw the latest numbers coming out of uh, Victoria. They're not sort of showing the kind of fear and loathing I kind of expected. Um, uh, can you tell us about what's actually going on there and just how bad is it? Yeah, so what we've seen amid the second round of lockdowns is something that we expected to see based on what happened in the initial rollout of restrictions in late March. Essentially, the response of the property market has been a tightening in listings, a fall in transaction activity. Um, but property values, while they are seeing a decline, the decline has been fairly orderly. Hmm. So in the July uh, rolling quarter, we saw property values across Melbourne came down about uh, 3%. Uh, in the auction clearance rate, we've seen that the uh, clearance rate, the prelim figure was over 70%. That's going to be revised down with our final numbers tomorrow. Um, but still a, a pretty strong result in the clearance rate of, uh, uh, it'll be over 60%. Mm. Uh, so I guess the thing to keep in mind is that that is based off much lower transaction volumes. People are still protected by the fact that we've got mortgage deferrals in place. And if they don't want to sell right now, they might not have to sell. And so in the wake of a high level of economic uncertainty, that is where we see the lower transaction volumes come into play. Yeah. Um, so Eliza, can you compare what you're seeing now in, say, Victoria with what we saw when there was a, a, a significant fall? Well, it wasn't all that big, but still it was more bigger than we've seen now before the May 18 election when there was basically what... 18 months to two years of um, depressed prices in Sydney and Melbourne. How would you compare the current to the, uh, that situation then? 
Yeah, I think it's a pretty orderly decline so far, given the impact that we've seen on the labour market. I think the important thing to remember is that during the previous downswing between 2017 and midway through 2019, that was much more a result of changes to the lending space. We saw investors withdraw from the market, um, investor activity was, was coming down. Uh, this time around, the decline is really being driven by a demand shock to the labour market as a result of restrictions uh, around social consumption. And I think given the fact that jobs and wages are down by about 5% across the country, according to the ABS payroll figures, it's kind of remarkable to see that property values have only come down about 2% nationally uh, and about 3% uh, across Melbourne. Mm. And, and do you think therefore there is kind of like this unusual market because there's government support, uh, there's an expectation that maybe a vaccine will eventually show up and as a consequence uh, normalcy will eventually creep back into our lives in 2021. Is that part of the reason why there's no devastating and dramatic fall in house prices? It's hard to say. I think one of the biggest policies that has helped maintain stability in the market is the deferral on mortgage repayments. Mm. Because this is going to stop a big influx in listings where people get into a distressed position because maybe they've lost their job, maybe their tenant has lost their income or something like that. Um, if we didn't have those mortgage payment deferrals in place, if we didn't have um, household fiscal support, then we would probably see a lot more people needing to sell their property if they get into a position of arrears or mm. uh, uh, default in the case of negative equity. So I think those um, government and regulatory interventions have really helped. It's not it's not surprising to see the regulatory um, uh, interventions come into play because they sort of always have moderated the housing sector in that sense. Mm. Um, but I think it speaks to the fact that March, when we're expecting to see more of those deferral repayments come off, is going to present more of a test to the housing market. And that's where we see, you know, we might see a bit more um, arrears and, and stress and yeah. further decline. How is Sydney comparing to Melbourne? Uh, Sydney property values have seen a relatively um, mild decline as well, uh, milder than what we've seen in the Melbourne market of about 2% in the three months to July. The clearance rate has held up pretty well. Um, the typical clearance rate over the past four weeks has been about 60%. And volumes are also holding up a bit better as well with uh, auctions averaging about 560 properties um, going to market per week. And this is supported by the fact that across our core logic platforms, we've seen pretty consistent levels of um, reports being generated by real estate agents, orders for valuations on property for the purpose of purchasing coming through. So that would suggest that the conditions of uh, consumer confidence, uh, economic operations, they're really directly related to just how strict social distancing measures are and the property market uh, in terms of its transaction activity has been very reactive to that as well. Okay so take us to two markets where they're having great success in containing the second wave infections namely Brisbane and Perth. What are you seeing there? Well, there's different dynamics that are playing out again across those markets. I think Brisbane had very strong um, fundamentals in the lead up to the COVID-19 downturn. 
Um, similarly with Perth, we were seeing a bit of an upswing in property prices at the beginning of 2020. I do think that COVID has created um, a, a disruption to these upswing patterns and property values are down mildly. Um, so in the quarter, we've seen a 2% decline in Perth property values, only uh, less than 1% decline across uh, Brisbane property values. But then you've got markets like the ACT, for example, mm. where there's been very low case numbers. There's been a lot more job security at the high income, public service, um, financial and insurance services levels. And across the ACT, we're actually seeing dwelling market values are at a record high and values have continued to increase over the quarter. So the um, performance of property markets has been very divergent across the capital cities, depending on some of those labor market fundamentals. Um, and of course, other things like how exposed a, a region is to things that aren't there anymore, like overseas migration mm. uh, and jobs in tourism, hospitality and the arts. Well, Eliza, with my economist background, I've always thought that the housing market in Australia would be challenged when we saw unemployment creeping up towards 10%, you know, in a serious recession. And we probably might see a 10% unemployment number because of this pandemic. But at the same, same point in time, I never ever imagined interest rates to be so low. Do you think one will actually offset the other so we don't actually see a devastation of the housing sector? if unemployment got to 10%? Yeah, so interestingly, historically, the unemployment rate and monthly growth in dwelling values have actually been positively correlated. And as you allude to, Peter, that's because when we see unemployment rates increase, that typically tends to coincide with periods where the cash rate is declining. Hmm. And so even during periods of high unemployment, um, people who can still afford to buy and still have their job have had these incentives of a very low cost of debt. Mm. That relationship is changing now and it doesn't seem that, at least for our major capital cities, the record low mortgage rates and the record low cash rate target are enough to offset what we're seeing in the labour market. Uh, I think it helps and I think it's something that will probably help to stimulate demand once we get to a better employment position and once uh, international borders reopen. Uh, but ultimately, the labour market conditions will be a dampener on the, the property market. We are also likely to see an increase in arrears rates if, those, uh, if the unemployment rate gets to 10%, which the RBA thinks it might. So I imagine what we will see is probably more regulatory intervention to try and help stabilise conditions in the property market um, over the next six months. Okay, so therefore in 2021, if we do see, uh, particularly after March, if we see a, a lot less government support and unemployment starts to climb, um, those people out there, and there are some people out there praying for house prices to fall, do you think they might get some joy? Yeah, I think we're likely to see accelerated house price declines uh, once the mortgage deferral um, programs come to an end. Mm. APRA has indicated that, as you say, that's in March. Um, and we will see further price declines, um, but it also depends on where the labour market is by that time. Because by March next year, one would hope that we'll see eased restrictions when it comes to things like hospitality, 
domestic tourism. Uh, and if those jobs are back in place, we'll see a lot of renters servicing their rents again and, and people potentially being able to hold onto properties. Eliza Owen from uh, CoreLogic, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. Well, at the moment, uh, Victoria has stage four restrictions and uh, the news coming from CoreLogic is that the housing market isn't going off the boil as badly as most, I guess, amateurs would have thought. Uh, I've got Charles Tarby, the founder of Century 21, which is now called C21. And Charles's business goes right across the country with uh, uh, hundreds of outlets. So he ha would have a pretty good view on what's going on in both Melbourne and Sydney. And I thought it'd be good to compare what's going on in both states. Mate, yeah. great to see you. Thank you very much, Patty. Yeah, it's very, very different uh, compared to the forecasts that came out early. And uh, you and I spoke about those forecasts mm. and how wrong we thought they were and of course here we are looking at some of the capital cities that are actually growing. Mm. Uh, I know Sydney and Melbourne have, have gone backwards slightly, Melbourne around 3%, Sydney I think about 1.7%. Yeah. Uh, but you know those sorts of things can be expected especially in times like now but you've got places like Adelaide, uh, Brisbane, they're still recording really strong results. Yeah it's interesting Charles because what we've got now is what we economists call an autarky Economy, an autarky economy, and it's, it's a it's an unusual I'm, term. I think well, the biggest word I know is delegate Hessen, and I can't, <laughs> I can't spell it. So there you go. And the and the idea is that you're an economy that doesn't trade with the outside world, right. because we are trading, we are getting from China and all that sort of stuff. But certainly, tourists aren't leaving the country. No. Uh, and and I found out uh, doing my data check. We Australians spent $65 billion overseas in 2018-19. So this money is here. It's still here. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's going to be interesting to see. And we know we're buying retail. Uh, Jerry Harvey's very happy, I'd yeah. say, at the moment. Uh, but the real estate side, for example, in Melbourne, is there a, a, a drastic reduction in supply because people aren't prepared yeah. to put their houses on the market? I think that's, that's part of the key. And a, a, when people ask me, why do I think that the market was not going to tank? Simply put, you've got so many more buyers compared to the amount of stock that's on the market. Yeah. If you look at the stock levels, we're something like 18% plus down on this time last year with the amount of stock. 18%. 80% mm. down. Mm. And it dropped last week by 1.2%, 1.83%. like keeps dropping. Uh, the amount of stock and, and when you've got that and you've got so many more people wanting to buy because interest rates are low or your government grants or your assistance is there, yeah. you've got that <clears throat> situation where uh, supply and demand are, are so out of touch with each other. Mm. Uh, Melbourne market, Sydney market, all of them, are. every agent I speak to yeah. is telling me that they just can't get the stock and if they do get it, mm. they're starting to uh, feel as though it's the properties are selling because of them, but mm. it's not It's not because of the yeah. agent at the moment. So Charles, in many ways, when you think about it, if, if I'm a public servant, I'm feeling confident about the future. I've got mm. lo really low interest rates. I don't think I'm going to lose my job. Yeah. On, the, on the flip side, if I'm a travel agent, I'm very worried. I'm not buying. Very concerned, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, but there's, there's probably a, a large proportion of a potential buyers out there Still. who don't feel threatened, mm -hmm. but the supply is being reduced in Melbourne. What's the supply like in Sydney? It's the same. It's, it's been reducing again and mm. uh, the agents are finding it difficult to get stock. Uh, if they can get it, it sells. Mm. Uh, and this is why we said, people have said to me uh, over the last few months, oh gee, maybe I should take my home off the market. This is a bad time to sell. And you know, like anything, when uh, you've got too much supply and not enough buyers, that's the worst time to sell. 
but right now that's not proving to be the case. Mm. Uh, good quality property will sell. All right, so if you're inside the, the Sydney market, so yeah. because it's, it's less threatened than the Melbourne market, um, would you be um, taking, biting the bullet and going to auction or would you be setting a price that you really want yeah. and say, if I get the price, I don't sell? I think there's two ways of doing it. There, there's a, what we designed many, many years ago called Express Sale. It's, a, it's sort of a, a hybrid between a, an expression of interest and private treaty, if you like. And okay. it gives us an opportunity for a property on the market, let people come and have a look and, and start telling us what they think. Mm. And we take that to the seller, then the seller can make the decision whether they want to go to the next step. Mm. Uh, that, that's out there. Uh, open negotiation is a new method, which is an online method that mm. uh, allows people to buy and sell, not not as, as in an auction, more like an eBay scenario. Mm. And uh, that's also uh, allowing people to get out there and determine what price they're going to pay for property. So I think a seller has got three or four different methods now to test the market. And testing the market is not a bad way to go. And I think they'll all be very, very surprised at, at how quickly they will get interested. Tell in us how the open, is open, negotiation. open negotiation. Tell me how yeah. it works. Like what's the starting point? Uh, simply put, uh, an agent will list a property for sale. And, and let's say you're the seller, you'll decide on a price you'd like for, for your property. Mm. Um, so it's that, like the that, old reserve. Yes, and that's not disclosed. Mm. Uh, so a buyer can, can come into the arena. Now, the buyer that comes into the arena has to be qualified, has to execute an agreement has to have the obviously finance approved. So it's like having a paddle at yeah, an auction. Yeah, because, because if, if, if they're the successful bidder, it's done. Mm. And there's a closing date. And if the agent wants to push the date forward because they, the, the interest is very, very strong and they, they want to get that demand moving, or they feel they need to push it back a little because mm. they, they, might, they, might, they might need more people to make it competitive. And then people sit down around a television with the owner and people can bid in England or bid anywhere. Mm. And it, when, it, when it pings that the bid is there, you've got another minute and a half or so to say, hey, I'll better have another go at this. Mm. And it can go past the reserve price very, very quickly. Uh, so we found that a lot of people are starting to sell a home that way because it's a very transparent process. The agent is not the one that's there pushing mm. people to buy or sell. It's the system that's saying, hey, there is a bidder, they're genuine, because they wouldn't be on the system. Yeah. It's not the agent, it's not the agent's mate that people were worried about years ago. It is seriously a buyer, and if you want to buy, make the decision. So does this take the auctioneer out of the process? It does. The, yeah. the system becomes, in essence, an auctioneer. Even though it's not, it's not like an auction, mm. it's still a very similar process. And, uh, and I think that uh, if you've got an auctioneer out the front, uh, who's very, very experienced, they can make people make decisions by, yeah. by virtue of, of their way of expressing the themselves. I think so. Yeah. Uh, but this system also allows you to, uh, it, it sort of puts you in that position to say, hey, do I really want to miss out? Do mm. I? So I've got one, one and a half minutes or two minutes to make a bit, mm. make my decision. Yeah. It's not like an auction where you're standing there for five minutes trying to get somebody to negotiate. Will this new method of mm. selling a house be sustained when normalcy returns? It was, it was building momentum well before this. Was it? And, and I, I believe it's a new way of selling. I, it's I like eBay comparison. Uh, in, in essence, yeah, because it, it takes it, it, it makes it, as I mentioned, completely transparent. So the Department of Fair Trading in, in any capital city want to have a look at what's going on. They can see the whole process recorded. Yeah. And they can have all the details of all of the people who are on their bidding because they can't bid unless they're qualified to buy. But what it also does is it, it then gives the agent a pool of 
people who are qualified to buy for the next yeah, property. Yeah. And I think when you it's take good that, data collection you take that to a seller, yeah. potential seller, that potential seller is going to have an advantage. Okay, so open negotiation is working in Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, it's working very, very well. It okay. started in Perth. Well, like all these great ideas, a lot of great ideas. Well, mortgage broken started. Yeah, there, no, no, it? it's it's gathered significant. And I, I have to declare uh, that I have an interest. Yeah. Do you? Well, it was years ago, the three, four years ago, when I saw the concept of the four parts of a real estate transaction and, and the four parts of the marketing part, the, the presentation to the owners, the presentation to the property, and then the negotiating. And the negotiating part, if you look at our industry, uh, the real estate practitioners in the last few years haven't, haven't had a need to negotiate because properties have sold themselves. Mm. So we have a, a significant number of agents in the industry that today don't know how to negotiate. And so that system is a platform that allows it to be done professionally in a transparent manner. So is your outlet the only group Doing open no, oh no, no, no. It's a, it's an Australia-wide process, and yeah. I've introduced those gentlemen to the United States because I think auction is a dirty word in the United States. But this this platform uh, is is completely opposite to that, mm. and uh, and I, I, I think that uh, the United States, all the way from Perth, may accept a concept. Yeah. Can okay. you believe that, Peter? Yes, I can. I can <laughs> okay, really. Can. You know, well, when you think about, it, I've always argued that a lot of people in Perth um, can become a big fish in a little pond and prove themselves, Very much so. then they can take it to the Very East Coast so. and really kick ass mm. and then even go to the rest of the world. Absolutely. Well, I think also... Alan Bond probably took it too he far. Might, he, he might took have. it too far. Where was Christopher Skase from? Uh, no, he was a Melbourne boy. A oh, Melbourne boy. Yeah, okay. right. uh, so we go back to the, the actual auction process. Um, Sydney is down about 10 points over this time last year, but it's still doing well, 65% clearance rate. But the, the one that's, Melbourne's very similar, Brisbane's very similar, Adelaide's doing well, but the one that stands out the most is Canberra. Uh, Canberra has been, it's and we know why, don't so, we? But it's a great place yeah. for, for uh, owning uh, investment properties. Yep. It's always been very good. Always, because there's a significant number of people there that are employed by the government. Mm. and. Uh, public servants' uh, jobs are very secure, yeah. as you can well imagine. So I think that, that that one area, and again, that's an area we've pushed for quite some time, yeah. uh, is, is going great guns. Yeah. And so is Perth, by the way. Yeah. What, was there so ever a Perth. time where um, Canberra actually went through a bad period for a long time? Yeah, I, I can't recall. No, I can't, I can't recall it, it ever having that, especially in the last 10 years I've been keeping these stats. Canberra mm. has always been very, very sound, very steady, mm. and they just create new suburbs when they need them. Mm. Yeah, so and, and they, it's a really a growth so got, area. So they've got a good level of supply and demand happening at, 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 at the same time. Yeah. And low interest rates, uh, full, okay. you know, Get, get the crystal jobs. ball out, Charles, and tell us what you think is going to happen when it gets to the spring sales. That's usually mm. the time when you usually. guys really have a good run. We, yeah, we haven't had, uh, I, I think last year was as close as we got to a seasonal real estate market. Mm. Because the, the boom market has been moving for so long up and down. Uh, after the GFC that there was no such thing as a season in real estate. It mm. was just buy, sell whenever you could. Right. And I, I don't think there's going to be any different because I think right now in the middle of winter we should be saying the market's quiet, but right. bah, it's busy. It's yeah. very, very busy. So I don't think spring will be much different Do you think the internet's changed all that, Charles? Once upon a time, you ha actually had to go to real estate agents and, and read a newspaper. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing is so fluid, you can go to REA or you Domain, can, yeah. and you can be on the market anytime you want. I think so, and I think that, the, look, the one thing that's different 
between now and when I was selling real estate back in the 70s, uh, when my uh, when, when, the, were 10, when, when the Whitlam government was in power yeah. and he couldn't borrow money for anything. Youngest real estate agent I, in the history I, of a real estate I agent. know, I know. I've still got this, the uh, certificate, birth certificate to prove it. <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, so um, what were we talking about? Yeah, we're talking about, you know, has the internet Correct. changed all that? I'll tell you what's changed, Peter, it's the delivery. Uh, that's what's changed. Uh, the delivery of our message has changed. The way in which we operate as real estate practitioners hasn't. Open for inspections that people were conducting all over the country are really not a great way of demonstrating a property because you're not demonstrating it. As an agent, you stand there and if 20 people come through, you don't know who to pick and choose, talk to, you can't ask questions, you can't get feedback, you can't really give the owner of the property true feedback on what's going on. Yeah. So so the delivery of our, our message has changed. We, you know, instead of flyers, it might be an email, and yeah. instead of a brochure, it might be an EDM. Uh, instead of the newspapers, it might be uh, uh, the internet. But the way in which yeah. we, yeah, the way in which we communicate with people, mm. that hasn't changed. Mm. And I always tell our agents, voice to voice, belly to belly, contact to contact, face to face, uh, which you can do through Zoom nowadays anyway, mm -hmm. is the best way to get the message across. And if I wanted to find something out about an area, I could speak to one person and get more out of that conversation than sending out a thousand emails to which I don't get a response to or I don't follow up on. Yeah. And I think that's what's changed. All right, so let's just go one step further. Um, if, if Victoria can uh, get on top of its um, infection challenge like the rest mm. of the country, uh, even if they have small outlets like uh, outbreaks like New South Wales, do you think 2021 becomes a, a good year for real estate or it will be another challenge? There's a couple of things that, uh, I, that I have to have a close look at. One, the banks have changed the way in which they're lending. Mm. Uh, they are a, a lot stricter nowadays and there are certain areas in, across Australia where they, they are saying we don't even want to lend in. Mm. So watching that pattern from, from what it was like for me dealing with my banker 10 years ago to dealing with them now, it's a completely different world. Uh, you know, if they want to know whether I have a Netflix account nowadays, you know. Mm. Uh, so that's going to send they me really broke having one of those. They really analyse forensically how Correct. you spend your money. Yep. That's, that's an issue. And also, w when we come out of this pandemic on the other side with all of the different benefits that people have received, how is it going to impact on them when those benefits are removed? Mm. Those are the two things that I still leave me a little bit uh, mm. concerned about being able to make an accurate prediction. Yeah. All right, Madam Charles, great to talk to you. Thank you, Peter. Charles Tarby, founder of C21, which used to be called Century 21. <laughs> Still is, Peter. <laughs> <laughs>